This is Chad Harrison, and you're listening to Hope Alive, applying God's word to your daily life. Hi, this is Chad Harrison, and I am the teaching pastor of Lake Community Church and have been serving as a pastor for 25 years. I'm also a practicing attorney. This podcast is designed to help you study God's word and find God's will for your life. I pray in the name of Jesus right now that God would open up his word to you and allow you to see him and to know him and to know his will, that you might glorify him and that you might walk in faith and power each and every day, especially today in Jesus name. Good morning. Welcome to Lake Community Church's morning Bible study. We are in Exodus chapter 18, Exodus chapter 18, and this is a definite lesson in leadership. This is the fabled story that Moses had with Jethro when Jethro came to visit and brought Moses' wife, Zipporah, and his two sons with him to reunite them with their father. When that happened, Moses, Moses had a daily duty, and so obviously when Jethro shows up, he's going to see Moses at work. He's going to see Moses at work doing what he does, which is lead the people. And he was a leader of the people. He was their, their sole leader. And that is, and when I say sole, singular, he was their singular leader. And it, it is important when you're studying Moses that you need to understand that is not sustainable. It's not a sustainable position for one person to lead that many people. There always has to be those who, who join in the leadership of people because the truth is you cannot lead a large group of people by yourself. There's too many issues. There's too many problems. There's too many circumstances that have to be dealt with for one singular person to lead any more than about 40 or 50 people highly effectively. You'll see extraordinary leaders who can do that on their own by themselves. You can see that happen. They can lead up to maybe a hundred people on a regular basis, intimate relationships, meaning knowing the people, knowing their situations, knowing their struggles. You can see, you can see an extraordinary leader lead about a hundred people, <clears throat> 80, 90, a hundred, and do a great job with that. But, but normally your normal regular leader who is average, they usually lead about 40 or 50 people. Now I'm going to say this and uh, don't take it negative t- toward anybody, but the average size of the church in Alabama, and, and that is statewide, the average size of a church in the state of Alabama is about 50 people, 50 regular people that come on a regular basis. They may only have 35 or 40 on a Sunday morning, but there's about 50 people that are regular attenders to that church. And the reason is because those churches are led by men and women or sometimes women, who are leaders. They're leaders, and they're probably really good leaders, but usually those churches do not have someone who is, they may have someone in leadership positions, but they're people who are not invested in the people enough to actually invest in their lives. And remember, leadership in a spiritual sense is not, is not the just telling people what to do and making decisions. Leadership in a spiritual sense is making disciples. That is our job. That is our mission as a church. That is what we use our spiritual gifts to do is to edify others. Why do we edify them? Why do we, why do we feed into them? When we feed into them, that's what edify means. We feed into them so that they might spiritually mature. That is making a disciple. And disciple making requires, requires investment. It requires investment into people. And so 
Those who lead large groups of people generally have to lead the leaders, have to invest in the people who are in leadership positions. And that's an important, it's an important task. It's an important job. It's an important position that we place ourselves in. And if you're in a church that's it's running about 50, what that means is that generally speaking, there's a couple of things that's true. Your pastor's a pretty good leader. And second, he's probably the only leader. And that's a sad statement that he's the only one really doing any investment in somebody's life. Now, there's some places where the pastor's not really a leader and there's one person in the church who does the investing. And then there's places where there's no real leader. And generally speaking, those churches struggle to even survive. And, and so understanding leadership is important. And the principles that I've just talked about are found in this passage. So let's look at them. Let's look and see what he says. It says, and so it was on the next day. This is verse 13 of chapter 18. And so it was on the next day that Moses sat to judge the people. And the people stood before Moses from morning until evening. That's painful. That's painful to even think about. Now, for me as an attorney, I, I go through a lot of dockets. And what do you mean by docket? That's the list of cases that are going to be heard before the court that day. That They call it a docket. And I go through dockets with judges all the time. And oftentimes, a lot of times, those dockets are day-long dockets. They take all day from morning till evening to complete. But the judges that I'm before can't. They don't do, they don't do day-long dockets every day, unless it's a trial term where they have to do it for two weeks in a row. And let me tell you something, that is a grind for a judge. That's a grind for a judge and the the people who work for the judge to make a two-week-long jury docket happen. And the reason is because they're, they're ruling or they're judging over the people from morning till evening, just like Moses did, just like Moses did. And you just can't do that every day. You, it's, you cannot do that every day. There's too much emotion involved. There's too much. There's too much drama involved. There's too much focus trying to focus on what's going on so that you make the right decisions and you do the right things. And judges have to do that all day long if they're in court all day. They have to think through what's going on and make a right decision all day long. That's a hard thing to do. So if you're doing a two-week jury term, that's really difficult to stay focused that long if you're in Alabama circuit judge and have to do that. But most judges have, they may do it for three or four days in a row at the top end, and then they'll have several days to go back and reconsider and think through and issue rulings and do things, all those things that have to be done after it's over because you can't sit in front of people and make judgments all day long and not be just for it not to just grind you to dust. And that's what Moses was doing. It says he stood before, people stood before Moses from morning until evening. So when Moses' father-in-law saw that he didn't, what he did for the people, he said, is this thing that you are doing for the people? What he's saying is, what are you doing? You know, that's always a good question to ask. It's a good question to ask yourself. Sometimes when you see somebody doing something that's just don't make a lot of sense and you know it's harmful for them and harmful for others, you might ought to, you, you, you might ought to consider what the purpose is. And that's what goes on here. That's what's happening in this situation. He says, why do you alone sit and all the people stand before you from morning until evening? He's saying, why are you doing this by yourself? And that's boy, what a wise question that was that Jethro asked. That's a that that question is a excellent question. What why are you sitting and doing this for all the people? You can't invest in everybody. 
you can't, you're only one person and you can't be torn into that many pieces and be satisfactory for everybody. Everybody needs a mentor, but every, everybody doesn't need the same mentor. Now there's one who can do that and do that really well. And he's called the Holy Spirit and he's God. Okay. And so the Holy Spirit can do that really well. And he can do that everywhere all the time. And he never sleeps nor slumbers. He's important. He was sent to us by Jesus so that we can have a counselor on a regular basis. So we do have a counselor on the regular basis, on a regular basis, but God, remember, always works through his people. And one of the things that's really required in an organization like a church is for there to be leaders. And one leader can only lead a few people. And that's what Jethro is saying. Why are you making all these decisions for these people? And Moses said to his father-in-law, because the people come to me to inquire of God. When they have difficulty, they come to me. And I judge between one and another. And I make known the statutes of God and his laws. Those are all the things that a leader should be doing. He's dealing with their difficulty. When they have, they come to inquire of God, they have questions of God. He deals with their difficulties and their problems between each other, and and he makes known truth to the people. Boy, that that's a definition of a spiritual leader. I mean, the, Moses is laying out. If you want to say, what is it a spiritual leader has to do as far as investing and discipling in people? Verse fifteen and sixteen are great. Is a great outline of it. He says, Moses said to father-in-law, because the people come to me to inquire of God, so a leader ought to ought to teach people God's word. He says, when they have difficulty, meaning when they have personal problems, they come to me. He says, and I judge between one and another, meaning if they've got personal interpersonal relationship problems, they come to her, come to him. And I make known the statutes of God and his laws, meaning I proclaim to the whole people what God's law is. So I teach people individually God's word. I deal with their struggles. I, I deal with their interpersonal relationships. And I make known the statutes of God to everybody. Boy, that's four pretty good understandings of what a leader should be doing in the church, what a pastor should be doing in a church. And Moses understands his responsibility. I think that's fabulous. Moses says, these are my responsibilities. This is what I'm doing. And Moses' father-in-law said to him, this thing you do is not good. Boy, if you notice Jethro's just, what are you doing? And this thing you're doing is not good. I love that. Don't you don't you love that? It's he says this thing you're doing is not good. Both you and these people who are with you will surely wear yourselves out. He's saying this is not sustainable. You can't keep doing this. You're going to be ground to dust. Everybody's got to have a role and you've got to have more than one leader. And let me say this, in a church, you got to have more than one leader if you're going to have a dynamic ministry. You got to Thankfully, I have got a co-pastor that pastors with me. But the truth is, even now, as we've grown over the last three years, as the church has grown and taken root, and, and there are a lot of people have come in with gifts and talents and abilities, and there's been a lot of opportunity to open up, the truth is, Pastor Terry and myself cannot do everything. We can't do everything, and we shouldn't because God's quite clearly provided several other people, lots of other people who can not only do the work of ministry, but they can also do the work of shepherding. And those things, those things as we grow, are going to have to be put into place. It's just one of those natural things that has to take place. People have to step up 
and they are stepping up. And usually wherever God is moving and wherever God's word is having effect and wherever God's people are answering by faith in their lives, whenever that happens, usually God raises up lots of leaders. And Moses' father-in-law says, listen, this is not good. It's not going to be helpful for you. You, you're, you're going to surely wear yourselves out. You're going to grind yourself to dust for this thing is too much for you. You are not able to perform it by yourself. He, he, all he had to do is watch for one day, and he said, this ain't going to work. It, it ain't going to happen. This dog won't hunt. That's what we say in Alabama. This dog won't hunt. It's not going to make it. He says, listen now to my voice. I will give you counsel, and God will be with you. Notice, he's saying, I'm going to give you godly counsel. And every leader needs that also. We need godly counsel. He says, oftentimes leaders don't want to let go of something because they've worked on it and they've, they've made such progress in a situation and they don't want to hand that situation off to someone else because they worry that person won't be able to do it. First of all, you weren't able to do it when you first got started. Second of all, God's the one who's going to make it happen. So we don't need to worry about whether or not it's going to happen. God makes it happen. Third of all, if they don't, if they fumble the football, get on the ball and pick it up again and look for somebody else to carry the ball. Is it true that people people disappoint us in leadership and that they don't take on their roles and they don't take on their responsibility? Absolutely. But it's also true that there's a lot of people out there that are eager to do the job of ministry, and we ought to give them every opportunity to grow and to learn and to do those things as godly leaders. And so it says, and he says, listen now to my voice. I'm going to give you wise counsel, and God will be with you. Stand before God and for the people so that you may bring the difficulties to God. What he's saying is you be the one who deals with the big problems and you deal with the issues with God and you shall teach them the statutes and laws and show them the way in which they must walk and work they must do. And they, listen, he's saying you're, you're the figurehead. You're the one that's telling the people the truth and you are telling them the things that must be done. Moreover, you shall select. Now, what he's saying is, now how do we deal with the interpersonal things that needs to go on? He says, you shall select all the people, able men, such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetous, covetousness. Now he's saying, this is what we're doing. We're picking people who are able to teach. We're picking those who fear God, meaning they got a close relationship with God. They're people of truth. He says they hate covetousness, meaning they don't covet what others have. They build their own. And that's an important thing. A lot of times people want to take over something that's really big so that they can be in charge of something. But the truth is they don't want to grow their own. A person who hates covetousness does not covet what someone else has built. What they do is they build their own. They do their own ministry. They do their own work. And he says, you need to do that. And so there's an outline here for leadership. If you want to be a person of leadership of, le of leadership in the church, and, and there's all kinds of ministries. There's men's ministry and women's ministry and children's ministry and youth ministry and, and the worship ministry. And there's ministry positions all in all churches. And let me tell you something. A lot of churches don't have all those ministries. And the reason they don't have all those ministries is usually they don't have someone who is capable and willing to fulfill those roles. Well, let me say this. There are many ministries for Lake Community Church that are available. And we are waiting for those to step up and fulfill those roles. And when someone proves that they're these type of people, they're people who are able to teach. They are people who fear God. They're people of the truth. They believe in God's word. They don't come up with their own stuff. They're not woke. He says, hating covetousness. 
They don't want to take someone else's ministry. They want to build a ministry for the kingdom of God themselves. They place, he says, and place such over them to be rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, and rulers of tens. Notice he's breaking them up into units. And those people who, 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 and now he had a big crowd to, to lead, but notice there's just a regular plain old leader, not very good at it, can lead 10. A regular re- leader can lead about 50. Then there's those who can rule hundreds of people. And then there are those who can lead thousands. And he says, that's where y'all break them up. And any organization that begins to develop leaders and begins to place leaders in, in a leadership position, they will eventually have the leaders of tens and the leaders of fifties in place. And that church will be dynamic. And when the church really gets dynamic, it gets to a place where the church is totally changing the community that they're in. And there may be even thousands in the area that we live in. There's not, there's not a lot enough populations for there be thousands and tens of thousands because we don't have that many people, but it can happen. And it can happen just like it's listed out here. If God's people and especially those with the gifts of leadership step up and take on those responsibilities and roles and take them as their own, meaning make those ministries their own ministry. And you say, is that possible? Yeah, it's possible for a leader who understands the dynamics of leadership and that there needs to be, at least in our context as a church, there needs to be at least several people who are able to lead the 10 to 50 range because we have that many people and we have a need for that many leaders. And you say, don't we have some? Sure we do. And we have we have a women's ministry that's dynamic. We have youth ministry that's growing. We've got a fabulous children's ministry leader. We have those things in place and those possibilities. And so what we need to do, what we need to do is we need to continue to develop leaders so that they can take on those roles. And it says, and let them judge the people. And then it will be that very great matter that they shall bring to you. Notice they handle the problems and they handle people and help them in their walk. They deal with their issues that Moses was dealing with. They deal with those issues. But when there's really a big problem, what do they do? They bring it to you. That's This is a primer on leadership. He says, so it'll be easier for you, for you will bear the burden for, they will bear the burden with you. If you do this thing, and God, as, and God so commands you, then you will be able to endure, and all of this people will also go to their place in peace, meaning it'll provide peace and prosperity for the people if you lead this way. So Moses heeded the voice of the father-in-law, of his father-in-law, and did all that he said. And Moses chose able men out of Israel and made them heads over the people, rulers of thousands and hundreds and fifties and tens. So they judged the people all the time. The hard cases they brought to Moses, but they judged every small case themselves. And what were they doing? They were dealing with they were dealing with teaching people personally God's word. They were dealing with they were dealing with their own personal issues as far as problems, their interpersonal conflicts. And then they were also telling people God's truth. And they were doing that on a regular basis. And so now Moses can do the big things, the big and important things, the leadership things that are required to build the kingdom of God. And so it says that Moses left his father-in-law, then Moses let his father-in-law depart and he went his way into his own land. And so we see here a great primer on leadership. And if you're out there and you want to really understand leadership, 
You need to understand what Moses understood leadership to be in verses 15 and 16. And then you need to understand the qualifications to be a leader in the church. And we find that we find that in verses 19, 20, 21, and 22. And then we understand that once you take on that role, it's your responsibility. And the big problems are brought to the head, but you are leading a important dynamic body part of the church, an organ of the church, a, a part of the church that is important for the kingdom work. And for those of you out there who are wondering how I see things, this is how I see things, okay? This is how scripture teaches where to organize the church for leadership. There's qualifications and there's responsibilities. And if we walk in those qualifications and responsibilities, we build the kingdom of God. And I pray that I'll be the case for you. I pray that you will, if you are a leader, that you will take on those roles and you will relish that opportunity. As you go today, I pray that the Lord will bless you and keep you, that he'll make his face to shine upon you, and that he will give you hope and peace today in Jesus' name.